We had a great time last Sunday, and this morning the kids are in with us again, and we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to break up my message in a few parts, and we've got a baptism happening, and we're going to have communion right at the end of the service this morning. But uh, this morning I want to start off, actually we're going to continue this morning I should say, talking about the history of Christmas. And if you haven't been here, we're talking about His story, that history is really the combination of people's stories telling us what happened, and history is really about telling us what God has been doing throughout time and what He's been doing. And we're seeing what God has done through the history of different people's stories at Christmas time. Does that make sense? You all look really confused. <laughs> anyway, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, the history of Christmas through the, the lives of the shepherds. And this morning, instead of reading the uh, passage to you, I thought... Why don't I play a video to you this morning of the uh, passage we're going to look at. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8 to 20, but I thought we'd play a little video this morning instead. So let's turn our eyes to the screen, or you can read along to check it out if you'd like. Uh, Luke chapter 2, here we go. The story of Christmas, Jesus and the shepherds. If we dim the lights. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God who would grow up to do amazing things. His parents on earth were Mary Hi. and Joseph. Hello. Jesus was born in a barn because there was no room for him anywhere else in Bethlehem. On the night Jesus was born, there were some shepherds in the field keeping watch over their sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared before them, uh -oh. and a bright light shone all around them. Ah! The shepherds were so scared, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. Uh, okay. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Whoa, what? The angel told the shepherds that they would find Jesus in a barn wrapped in strips of cloth, laying in a manger. Okay. Then the angel was joined by many, many other angels, and all of them sang, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Then the angels returned to heaven. What just happened? And the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Yeah. So they hurried to the village and found the baby Jesus laying in the manger. Wow! <laughs> After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had told them about the baby Jesus. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story were amazed. Mary made sure she remembered all these things and thought about them often. Then the shepherds went back to their sheep and praised God for all they had seen. The baby was exactly who the angel had told them he was, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. A slightly different uh, rendition of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. Can you imagine being one of those shepherds? Can you imagine being one of those ones that for the rest of your life, you, people would be talking about, hey, have you, met, have you met that Jesus guy? Have you seen what he's doing? And you'd be like, ha, I was there at the beginning. 
You know, like those moments when you feel like everyone's talking about something, it's like, <coughs> well, <coughs> I was there. <laughs> and the shepherds, for the rest of their lives, they would have been, people would have been talking about Jesus, and, and they're saying, you know what, the angels came and saw me. They came and told me this was going to happen. And they would have been amazed. This was, am- this was wonderful. This was fantastic. But you know what, they were also very terrified in that moment. It says that the, the, sh- the shepherds were terrified, they were afraid, and the angel said, do not be afraid. But I'm pretty sure, if you ever met someone, they're sort of, in the moment, they're terrified, but then later on it's like, no, 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 I, I wasn't afraid. No, no. <laughs> like, I'm a shepherd. I fight off foxes and, and things. <laughs> I just imagine, can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of those shepherds? It would have been amazing to have an angel, God's presence, come and, and, and speak to you. It would have been amazing. Can you imagine, kids, you're, you're at home and you're, you're getting ready for school in the morning and then suddenly burst through the door, bananas in pyjamas in real life. Bananas in pyjamas, they're there in your room. It's so exciting. Or maybe adults, you, you, you're at work or you're doing whatever you do through the day and suddenly... There in the room is Bon Jovi or <laughs> whoever you might get excited about. Um, the Queen of England comes in through the door and you're like, wow, who am I that you've come to see me? But the shepherds out in the fields, they're just doing their thing. It's another normal night. They've probably been out in, those sh- in, in, the, in the paddocks looking after their sheep for years and years and years and they're watching, they're looking for foxes and things, bears, lions, dinosaurs, no. <laughs> and they've been out in the, sh- in, in the paddocks guarding their sheep for years. And it's probably a bit cold, it's probably, maybe, who knows, it could have been raining, and they're probably a bit sleepy, and they're just sort of filling in the time, maybe playing rock, paper, scissors, who knows. And then suddenly the angels appear. It's the most amazing moment of their lives, probably. I'm pretty sure it would have been one of the most amazing moments of their lives. But you know, there's another side of the story that if you imagine being those shepherds, the shepherds were actually people that were despised. The shepherds were people that were looked down upon. The shepherds were people that were not trusted. The shepherds were people that, when people saw the shepherds coming I just wonder if maybe they might have seen them coming and sort of gone, here comes those smelly shepherds and crossed to the other side of the road. They had a bit of a reputation. The the, the testimony of shepherds wasn't to be trusted. And as we think about the amazing thing that happened for the shepherds, we also need to realise that these shepherds were people that people didn't like necessarily. They were people that weren't trusted. They had a reputation. And I wonder if you've ever felt a little bit like those shepherds. I wonder if you've ever feel, felt a little bit like you're a person who's got a reputation, maybe fairly or unfairly. You've done things and people have looked down on you and people talked about you behind your back and you sort of know what's been going on. But it's not a pleasant thing to be looked down on and despised. And the shepherds were those kinds of people. But you know, the amazing thing is, even though people didn't trust the shepherds, God chose to come and to visit 
those shepherds. God chose and trusted them. He came, the angel came and spoke to them and said, we bring you great news. And God trusted to, and chose and trusted to come to these angels to spread the word of what had actually, what was taking place. He didn't go to the ones that were most respected. He didn't go to the most educated. He didn't go to the, the famous ones. He went to those that were despised by the rest of the community. He went to those that weren't trusted and spoke to them. And you know, this morning, I want to encourage you that if you've ever felt like one of those shepherds, that you have felt like maybe it's something you've done and you feel like you, you're not worthy of people's trust. Or maybe you, things have happened in your life that you feel like you've been looked down on unfairly. I want to encourage you this morning that even whatever reputation you have, God loves you and chooses to use people like us, like those shepherds. Even though the rest of the world might look down on you, God still loves you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Sorry, my clicker doesn't seem to be... There we are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Now, I think it was a couple of years ago, I did a message all about God's love being lavished upon us. And right here in front of me, I had a cake. Oh, I'm glad someone remembered. I was like, oh, please, that's... And we got a cake, and it was a really plain, boring, ordinary cake. But we lavished the icing on. In fact, it was quite disgusting. And we lavished the lollies and the sprinkles and the syrup. And we, we, we kind of had a little bit of cake with our topping and lavishing of icing and, and lollies. But, you know, God lavishes His love upon us. He pours out His love upon us in amazing, reckless Amazing, amazing, amazing ways. His love for us is so much more than we could ever deserve or earn. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we could, that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. And you know, God is the creator of all people. He is our Father in heaven. And He desires for us to live as His children. Some people can choose to be estranged to their families. They can choose to go a separate way and, and not be a part of the family. But God wants to see the great love that He has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God, that we should be identified as His children, as God's sons and daughters. Let me read to you, read to you the same verse in another translation. It says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or 99 years old, if your trust is in Jesus Christ, then you are His child. You are forgiven, and He has chosen you. He loves you. You know, this morning, we're going to celebrate that God has chosen us, and we're going to celebrate together with Grace this morning as she gets baptized in just a moment. Now, Grace already knows that Jesus is her Savior. She's not getting baptized so that she'll be saved, but she's being baptized because she knows that Jesus died for her sin and that she's been born again. 
because of what Jesus has done for her through the cross. We're now going to let Grace go over here in the, in the bathtub in a moment and she's going to hop in there and we're going to bury her in that water just for a moment, not for long. And just as Jesus was buried in the tomb for three days and came out, we're not going to leave her there for three days, but just as Jesus went into the tomb and then came out of the tomb with new life, we're going to raise Grace up out of that water, recognizing that she now has new life in Jesus, that she is a new creation in Christ, the Bible tells us. So I'm going to invite Grace to come up here. Let's give her a clap of encouragement right now. And uh, I'm going to let Grace share a bit of her story with you this morning. There we go. Thanks, Grace. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you all for coming on this special day. Um, I've decided to get baptised today because even though I grew up in church, I've been here since I was two. Yeah, that's cool. Um, over the last few years, I've started to understand uh, understand. God's love for me. I've kind of gone up and down in my relationship with God, but over the last year, I feel like I've really grown in my faith. I've been reading some Bible verses and been really encouraged by youth and other people um, that God really loves me and that Jesus died for me and has a purpose for my life. Yeah. And my Bible verse is Psalms 13, 5 to 6. Um, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Yeah. Amen. Do you want your grace? It's been so cool, uh, especially coming along to youth and, and getting to know Grace over the last, well, since she was two, I guess. And, uh, and seeing her growing God and just catching up with her recently and talking about her love for God. And it's a pleasure to be able to baptize her this morning. And this morning, I wonder if any family or friends want to come closer, if anyone, any, any of the kids want to come down the front and be able to watch. Nice and warm, is it, Grace? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Maybe we just get people to bob down there, then we can make sure everyone can see. There we go. Fantastic. Grace, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? We baptise you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let's just pray for grace right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you that you know grace and you so love her, Lord God, that you have chosen her. Lord, before the creation of the world, you knew her. You, you knew the plans you have for her. And God, I just thank you that you have always had your eye on grace. That, Lord, from the moment of her birth, Lord God, that you have been aware of grace, that you have been watching her, that you've been with her. And God, I just thank you just for bringing your encouragement to grace. That, Lord, every day of her life, every day ahead, Lord God, is that you're going to be with her, that you're never going to leave her. And God, we just thank you that she knows that you are her saviour, that you are her king. God, we just pray that you would help us as your church to support and encourage grace. And we just thank you, Jesus, for letting it be a joy, Lord, to do life with you, Lord, for the rest of her life. That she could be a, a shining light, Lord, to those around her as she lives knowing your love and your plans and your, your grace for her. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give grace another hand right now. Thank you, Lord. There you go. Fantastic. 
Thank you, Lord. And if, if God's just putting a word on your heart this morning, maybe for Grace, I encourage you just to write it down, maybe put it on a piece of paper and you can hand that to Grace afterwards. We'll let her go and get changed right now. But uh, we're going to continue to praise God this morning because God is worthy of our praise. We're going to ask the band to come and we're going to continue to worship Him and praise Him this morning. Thanks, band. Remember His love for you, that just like He loved those shepherds and He chose to come to them, that He has chosen to come for each one of us. His love, His mercy, His grace will follow me, will, will pursue us all the days of, his, of our lives. God, we praise You, we thank You. That Lord, even though we might feel like giving up at times, You never give up on us, that You pursue us with Your love. That God, even though we may feel like we don't deserve your love, that God, you pursue us with your love, that you have lavishly given us your love through Jesus Christ. That Lord, if we know that you died on the cross for our sin, if we put our trust and our hope in you, that Lord, nothing can ever separate us from your love. And God, I just pray today that you would help us to be still and know that you are God. Lord, as we continue to look at the history of Christmas, as we think about Christmas over the coming weeks even, Lord, that you'll continue to remind us that you are God, that you are faithful, that you are true, that you are trustworthy God. And we just thank you, Jesus, for bringing your peace into our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated as we continue to think about the life of those shepherds. Thank you, Lord. So the angels have come. They come and they, they say to the shepherds, Glory to God. Glory to God and... It's still not clicking. <laughs> Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's an amazing moment. Right there for the shepherds. I wonder if you've ever heard that song, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. I think we need new batteries for this thing. There we are. Glory in, in Excelsis Deo. That song is actually repeating the words of what the angels said. Did you know that? Some of you maybe, some of you had no idea what you were singing. And as you sing glory, or in excessly stay, what you're actually singing is glory to God, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And that's what you're actually singing. And so next time when you're at carols and you're singing those songs, realize that you are repeating and you are declaring the words of what the angels sang to the shepherds just over 2,000 years ago in Latin. It's a shame we don't sing it in English sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> but you are declaring what the angels declared and even though the people didn't trust them, 2,000 years later, we're still repeating what those shepherds repeated to the people around them. I think that's awesome. I think that's amazing. And I think that's wonderful news that God can use people like those untrustworthy shepherds and He can choose to use us today. 
It's an interesting statement he makes. Glory to God and peace on earth to, the, to those with whom God is pleased. It makes me think of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for a child is born to us. Remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does it mean, this Prince of Peace? What does it mean when those angels came and sang, Glory to God and peace on earth to those to whom God is pleased? Peace is an interesting thing. What is peace? What is the peace that God was talking about? What was the peace that the angels were talking about? We're going to have a look at another short little video now about what it meant, that peace that the angels sang about. We might dim the lights again and uh, turn our eyes to the screen as we think about what is that peace? The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. 
Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Yeah, who's beating that? <laughs> Just... Hey, thanks for watching this word study video. There we are. <laughs> just go back to that last slide, sorry. The peace that Jesus came to bring was not just an absence of war, but of unity and restoration with God and one another. God wants us to have peace. Jesus came that we might have peace. And it doesn't mean just an absence of bad things in our lives. In fact, the Bible promises that there's going to be challenges and, and trials in our lives. But Jesus came to bring a peace that is restoration and, and unity and relationship with God and with one another. What a beautiful thing that is. It's, it's greater than not having trials in this life. It's a peace that continues despite all the things that happen in our lives. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. It says, Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, the peace Jesus came to bring isn't peace like what we might think of going on holidays and just sitting beside the beach and going, ah, peace. The peace Jesus came to bring isn't just an earthly peace. You know, at that time, there was peace on the earth in the Roman world. The Roman world celebrated the peace that they had, but it wasn't like the peace that Jesus came to bring. The peace that the Romans had was, if you disobey us, we'll kill you, so you be good. So there was peace. It's not the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring. The Roman world had peace because of the power and the authority and the, the fear of people. But Jesus came to bring a peace that we might know God's love, that we might see what he has done and know his forgiveness, that we could have peace despite all the challenges and things that happen around us. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Have a listen to the words in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And if you can just click what I do there. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. I don't want to say, so just, yep, there we are. I wonder maybe if there's someone here today and you, you, you hear that, you read that, and you're thinking, yeah, that's great, but I don't have faith. I don't have faith, Andrew. How does this help me? How does this encourage me? I don't have faith. But I want to encourage you to think about this morning what God has spoken to us, what God has done through history. 
that for thousands of years, people had talked about what God had promised to do, that there was going to become one that would become the ruler that would rule for eternity. There was one coming who would be the Messiah, one who would be the saviour of all people, that would save us from our sin. And that God chose a sign that he would come and be born of a virgin. And it talks about his life, it talks about his death. As you read through the Old Testament, you read all about the things that God says that this Messiah would be like and what he would do. And then we get to the New Testament, we read about Mary, this virgin that was, gonna, that was conceiving a child by the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, just like the prophets had said, and then he grew up and he did the things that the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, that he did the things that God said he would do. Then he, he, he did miracles and he, he did things that were signs from God of who this man was. Not only that, but it talks about his death in the Old Testament, that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He would not open his mouth, but he would be crucified on our behalf, that he would be pierced just as he was with a spear. And that because of his sacrifice, our sins could be washed away, that we could be made whole. And it talks about how on the third day he would rise again. And interestingly, on the third day he rises again. Jesus is the fulfillment of what the Bible and the Old Testament tells us the Messiah would do. You know, the Jews today are still waiting for the Messiah to come, but the Messiah has come. Jesus is the one who came to save us from our sin. And maybe you don't understand all of what God's done. You don't understand everything about the Bible, but if you will understand, if you will trust that Jesus is that one that God promised would come, if you look at all the prophetic things that God spoke to people about what He would do, how He would live, how He would die, how He would rise again, you cannot doubt that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And I want to encourage you this morning that maybe you don't have a great faith, but if you will just come and say, God, I don't understand, but I, I see that you've done something here and I want to believe. I want to trust in what you've done for me. I want to know faith in my life. I believe God will give it to you. Therefore, if you'll come to him with that attitude, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. You know, it's not because we're good enough. It's not because we become a better person that God forgives us. It's simply because of our trust in him. Because of our faith, the Bible tells us he makes us righteous. It's as if we'd never sinned. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's not what you're going to do this week and how good you can be and whether your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It's because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. You know, those shepherds weren't deserving of a visitation from heaven, but God chose to do it. And God has chosen to set us free from sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You don't have to wait till one day you can be forgiven. You don't have to wait till the day you get baptized even to be forgiven. You can know God has forgiven your sin today. You don't have to wait till you die and, 
and hope that you get into heaven, you can know that Jesus has set you free from your sin. And we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I wonder, do you have a confidence and a joy as you look forward to sharing God's glory? You can have confidence and joy. You can have peace with God through this life. You know, the truth is, I think, a little bit like the shepherds, that we can feel like we don't deserve it. And when we hear the gospel, we hear about what Jesus has done for us, we can think, wow, God, thank you that you would forgive me for my sin. And we can think it's, it's only by the hair of my chin 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 that I get in. <laughs> we only scrape in and we just make it. And we think, wow, I could never expect anything more of God than forgiveness. But He lavishes His love upon us. He doesn't just forgive you and say, you know what, I'm forgiving you, but I'm still angry with you. He says, no, I have forgiven you and I love you and I want to live the rest of your, I want you to live the rest of your life talking to me, being in relationship with me, knowing my Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and comforting you and, and, and counseling you through, through the rest of your life. God doesn't want you just to think, oh, wow, God's forgiven me. He wants you to know that you are forgiven and that you are loved by our God and our Savior and our Creator in heaven. It goes on in verse 3. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance and that endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You're thinking, hang on, but Jesus came to promise to be the Prince of Peace. He was coming to bring us a peace that, like we'd never known. But the reality is we will face problems and trials. We will face struggles. But through those things, that we can look to God and know His peace. You know, through this week, there's been a couple of times for me when I have been... Um, tempted to get frustrated about a situation, about something that was happening. And just in that moment, God's kind of reminded me, Andrew, you're preaching a sermon this week. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am, God. About the Prince of Peace. And in that moment, I wasn't feeling like being very peaceful. But I know God is the bringer of peace. And in that moment, I had a little wrestle. I'm thinking, God, I have some righteous anger here, I believe. <laughs> Something happened that is not right, and I wanted to justify it. But as I think about my God in heaven, who so loved us, and in grace, He chose to come and die a sinner's death on a cross for us. Peace just flooded my heart. A peace that the world cannot understand. And as we go through the trials we face, as the, the problems are happening all around us, God help us to stop and to be still and know that He is God. To even in the chaos of things that are happening, say thank you Jesus that I know you love me and that you died for me. 
And even in the chaos, God can bring His peace into your heart. He can calm your spirit. And He can actually use you as a bringer of peace into that situation. You know, Jesus ascended to the Father, I think I mentioned it last week, so that He could send the counsel that would be with us always. I'm sure we'd all love to have a physical Jesus sitting beside us everywhere we go all the time. Would that be cool? I think it would. (laughs) But you know, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us if we know Jesus is our Saviour and we're walking with Him. God sent the Holy Spirit to fill us and to empower us, to lead us and to guide us, and He would never leave us, that He is with us always. God, help us to be mindful of His presence with us. You know, Jesus came to bring peace and unity and restoration of relationship with God. That through all the turmoil and things that might be happening in your life and this world, we can have peace and relationship with the God who created us and nothing can ever separate us from His love. What can, what can stand when God is for us? What is greater than knowing that God is for us? And He also wants to bring us into that unity of relationship with one another. As we look to Him, as we keep our eyes on Him, He draws us into relationship. He brings us closer. If you have two people running for the same goal, they're going to reach the same destination and come closer as they do. God wants us to be a united people for His glory. You know, Jesus came for the shepherds. He came for the kings. He came for the poor and He came for the rich. Jesus came for all people. And there's no one who's more worthy of His, of his grace and His mercy. There's no one of us that's any less worthy of His grace and His mercy. And you know, kids, you might feel like you're too young for God to want to talk to you, but God wants to talk to you from the moment you know His name. God wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to help you live this life. doesn't matter if you're... 5, 15, 55, or whatever age you might be, God came for you. He wants you to be aware of His presence with you today and every day. Just think again about what the angels said to those shepherds. It says, Glory to God, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What does it mean that with whom those, those with whom God is pleased? Who is God pleased in? Is it people who've done good things? Well, no, not necessarily. Those whom God is pleased are those who have put their trust in Him. We can be so filled with pride and arrogance and think that we can earn God's forgiveness, but only those who acknowledge that we are sinners, that we deserve punishment from God. But He has given us grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. If you will acknowledge that, if you'll come to Him with a humble heart and say, God, help me, lead me, I thank you, Jesus, that you are my Saviour. He is pleased with that heart. 
I believe the thing that pleases God most is a humble heart before Him. To worship, the, the, the definition of worship is to, to bow down. And if we will bow down to Him, if we will humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up. He is pleased with you. He is most pleased with us, I believe, when we live a life that is for His glory and for His praise alone. Glory to God and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus came to offer peace to anyone, anyone who will put their trust in Him. This morning, we're going to take communion in just a moment. I'll ask if the, actually, we're going to sing a song and we'll ask the stewards to come when the, we, as we sing that song in a moment. But this morning, as we, as we take that biscuit, as we receive that biscuit and that cup, I want to encourage you not just to take a biscuit and a cup and that's it. As you reach out your hand and physically pick up that biscuit and pick up that cup, I want you to thank God and receive that peace that He came to bring. I want you to, as you receive that biscuit and that cup, to say thank you, God, for your forgiveness. And even this morning, receive and know His forgiveness. This morning, you may have looked down upon yourself, you may have felt less than other people at times, but I want you to receive His wholeness. He came to bring peace, not just an absence of war, but that you could know wholeness, that you are a new creation in Christ, that the old life is gone. He doesn't see that old sinful nature anymore. He sees the person He created and loves. And as you receive that biscuit and that cup, I want you to thank God and allow what we do as we take communion this morning to affect every area of our life that we would allow God's peace to flow in every aspect of our life, every area of our thinking, that God's peace would come. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just pray right now as we sing this song and as we receive the biscuit and the cup that you commanded us to eat and to drink in remembrance of you. I pray this morning that we would not just take a physical piece of biscuit and cup, but Lord God, we would receive and know your forgiveness. That, Lord, we would receive and know your peace that you came to bring. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, maybe if you just want to stay seated as we sing this song, as we receive the elements this morning, just think about these words. Think about what he has done for us. Mm-hmm.